Silence! Silence! I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. another episode of Curiosus Animus podcast. I'm your host Scott White and today I've got with me a career firefighter by the name of John Taylor. This gentleman has uh, turned me on to some interesting situations in uh, California and he is, uh, well I have a just like an OSHA 30 card that's probably expired by now. He's well more versed on the things that have been going on specifically in East Palestine, Ohio um, and that complete uh, catastrophic failure of overwatch so uh absolutely let, let's let's explore which do you want to explore first you want to talk about california well, that? yeah i'd probably yeah well let's uh palestine is more recent and i i really have more expertise in um that i well first of all um i got in the fire service in 1987 um i was um a paramedic um the rescue truck and got promoted to a uh, company officer, which is a lieutenant in Florida. And I spent uh, probably about two thirds of my career on a, on a ladder truck. Uh, also, you know, functioning as a paramedic. Um, at that point, um, I went to the National Fire Academy, was certified as a, has- had a hazardous <laughs> materials technician, and uh, also a tox medic, which is a, a pretty intensive course that they have for uh, anybody that's a paramedic that would be treating, you know, any sort of um, hazardous materials type incident. So uh, also a company officer. And for the last 10 years, I, I uh, also functioned as a acting battalion chief for uh, the department, which was a very good experience. And it's about 30 years between EMS and the fire service. So, but yeah, Hazmat um, at the National Fire Academy was was a really, really um, intensive course. And they support, you get like lifetime support after you go there as far as continuing education. So that I'm a little more comfortable with the Hazmat. And then we've fought a lot of brush fires, but um, nothing like California. But yeah, the East Palestine thing um, was one of the strangest uh, scenarios that I've ever seen, you know, as far as mitigating a hazardous materials incident. Um, They uh, actually did nothing and just allowed that to uh, blow up. I I don't know if they uh, actually placed explosives to make that happen, which would be so far out of this world that I can't even imagine that, but doing nothing to those materials. And I, I got the consist uh, for the train and um, they were dealing with some really bad stuff, but what, and what was never mentioned either, there, there was benzene um, that was on that consist. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, what car that was in, if that car was involved, uh, but there, there's something called, it's an infers report, it's a national fire incident reporting system that every incident you go on, whether it's hazardous materials or a structure fire or whatever, the uh, primary responder is responsible for filling that out. And it, it's a very comprehensive report. Uh, I, 
I think it'll probably take them months to complete <laughs> because well, of what was involved. But, moving uh, at the speed of government at, at the minimum, right? So yeah. So for those who don't know, benzene is incredibly toxic to the human system. It is, from what I understand, I just recently learned some stuff about it, actually. It's, it's, it's interesting that it's coming up. Uh, the accepted exposure limits is something like 0. 0.05 parts per million right and at anything above very, that, like, very very little <laughs> yeah like yeah. It, a whiff that's it you're probably overexposed yeah and, and in a situation like that in, in hazardous materials uh, response there's two levels uh, really that we operate on one is level b and uh, you would be in a um, respirator type mask with uh not not on uh, bottled air and uh tyvek suit and gloves and boots but any anything dealing with benzene you'd be full level a which is a totally encapsulated suit you're wearing a self-contained breathing apparatus i mean you're sealed tight and um and any that all those chemicals that were on that scene but what was weird to me too is that in all the reporting, they were reporting like five chemicals and, and they didn't mention the benzene at all. The, they concentrated on, I think it was vinyl chloride and there was uh, five chemicals that, and all the news reporting, you know, I read a lot of those articles and, and that's what they con concentrated on. And somebody got the, um, you know, the consist, which is the uh, list on the train of the hazardous materials and, and benzene was definitely on there along with another couple, but uh, I was surprised to see that and I was surprised to see that it wasn't reported. That's you know. well, <laughs> uh, being that uh, the news media in general, right? The, the powers that be have essentially ever since like Operation Mockingbird going way back have uh, yeah. got a handle on things and what can be said and what can't be said. And when people go against the script, so often there's, you know, a, a connection issue and they lose whoever they're talking to because it's just not you know, fit in the bill. So yeah, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, yeah, death by coincidence. So <laughs> scary. I, I, I thought I'd seen it all uh, before these, this last two or three years, you know, cause I, I've been uh, since nine 11 um, that pretty much woke me up. And when I saw three buildings that were controlled demolitions, you know, right in front of my face, <laughs> One that wasn't hit by a plane, uh, you know, collapsing with some footprint. That kind of got me, uh, you know, researching a lot of stuff. And um, so, yeah, I've been pretty heavily into uh, researching all this stuff that they they tell us never happened. You know? so. It's 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 so to that point when I was uh, I was going to school where in, at a community college where I was learning about welding, and I I asked my welding instructor, I was like. So what do you think about those buildings falling down on their footprint? And he he was definitely a not rock the boat kind of guy. And he said, well, you know, structural steel loses its integrity at 500 degrees, you know, and and, and he just kind of left it at that because he didn't he didn't respond to my pressing forward on, well, why would it collapse into its own footprint? You know, at, at free fall speed, it doesn't make sense to me. And he said, well, you know, go go to go to another school and learn some more physics, I guess. I don't know. So, but the um, just 500 degrees being the blow off as far as the, the, the structural stuff, it doesn't explain building seven and why that went down on its own. No, and no. And, uh, and, and molten, <laughs> molten metal, because uh, I, I knew a lot of the guys that, that were there. We, we brought them down to Florida. I, I worked in uh, the city of Stewart down in, in uh, South Florida and Martin County. And we brought a lot of those guys down, you know, give them a break um, from New York. And the stories that we were told were just, I mean, that they had basically molten metal under that site for a year or more. You know, there was just no reason. You can, if, if you research it, you can look it up. I mean, they did the, like the aerial, um, infrareds and you can see those those uh the pits that they were digging in below those and, and there's even pictures that it um it looks like the side of a volcano because it it, it melted the rock 
I mean, that, that's how hot those materials were. And that, that's nanothermite. <laughs> this is what, what did that. I mean, you can't, you, and, and if, if, you, if you just watch some of the video, you see molten metal pouring out of that building before it comes down. I mean, that, that does not happen in a structure fire. There's not enough fuel load in an aircraft to do that to a building. Those buildings were designed to take hits from, I think it's 747. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and then and then there's Building Seven, you know, and I, I don't know if this will surprise you or not, but uh, the fire service itself to this day is probably fifty fifty on what actually caused that. And these are guys I, I actually talked to. The guy's name's Alan Brusini, and he was the chief of Phoenix, and um, like a god in. Um, the fire service, building construction. I mean, I read his books, you know, and when I, when I, uh, you know, took my company officer courses and I actually talked to the guy and he just wouldn't go there. You know, it, it was like he, he knew that if, if you applied physics, um, that it made no sense at least. And he just, um, being in the position he was in, I guess, just couldn't go there. And, uh, that, pretty sad you know for the fire service but um that, that's i'm sorry to digress but that's kind of where i got my well, start not believing anything that, that's good it gives background right and it, and it kind of uh sets the the flavor of the the whole dynamic because there's a lot of people who spend their entire careers doing the best they can but then they are also beholden to the system that they are involved with and it's it's not easy for anyone so it's i don't like to just sit there and wag my finger at people like oh you're the bad guy because nothing's black and white nothing is so yeah yeah and i i agree there it's just um you know that the forest service is so dedicated and we're into you know continuing education and learning more and more and more and then just it just felt weird to be a part of that and you've got like at least half of the people that can't see what's in front of their, their face. Yeah, you know, it's just just a strange feeling. But you know, I just I, I gave out as much information to whoever wanted to hear it as I could, and I, I think I may might have changed a few minds over the years. But uh, it's just a strange strange situation to. to and, and we're we're based in science. All the medical stuff, all we all we do, all the hazardous materials training. The, fire behavior i mean it's it's all about science and and uh, it's just that's a it's, it's just a very bitter pill to to swallow where you can almost a a first year firefighter that that uh, paid attention um and basic standards could look at that and know that it, it was not uh you know <laughs> collapse due to fire so oh. at any rate but Getting back to East Palestine, um, I'll I'll be on the lookout for that, and and I I'm not sure. I think I'm pretty sure that that's all public record, and it, it's really not that they're taking their time doing it, but but a, a call of that level, and and the reporting that's necessary takes a long time to do. I mean, they have to account for all the chemicals that were there, all all the actions that were taken. I mean, it, it's just a really involved. It, it it'll probably be pages and pages and pages i would imagine i'd say i wouldn't be surprised if it's a 50 or 100 page report but uh i will try to get my hands on that for you and um awesome. see you. if they list those those chemicals and that, and that's what i was and 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 the ones that, that they did even the i mean the vinyl chloride is horrible um but are and also i'll just say i don't i don't want to second guess a scene that i wasn't there you know, when when I get um, when I get the fire report, it's kind of like being there. So then then I, I I feel like I had a better opinion. But all I can all I can do is tell you from my experience what we would have done in a situation like that. And um, the first priority is obviously life safety. So you, you would have been evacuating a pretty large area. Um, we would have. Um, gone into you know standard hazmat operations which anything with that 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 we were actually in a hot zone we, we would have been in level a equipment completely encapsulated um we would have uh, 
prepared. And, and all you can do in a situation like that is get as much water as you can on that fire and until you cool it down. And it, that can be done a number of ways. And I'm like I said, I wasn't there. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe their water supply was a problem. Um, but we we would have gotten as much water on that and just soaked it until it went out. Not not allowed it to <laughs> explode. That that's not in in our uh, game plan. Um, and it, like I said, and I, I don't know this, but if 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 there we wouldn't. Fire service isn't even capable of doing that, you know, because I heard a lot of reports. Well, they use explosives. It's like, well, we're not capable to do that. That that would be a Department of Defense function that that would have to be, uh, you know, integrated through the command system. And I, I don't know of another incident in the history of the fire service where that's been done. So, um, for camera specifically, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure they've used it yeah. for. Uh, uh, blockade clearing or you know thing obstructions but not for uh contamination no no to put out a <laughs> i mean you do that with oil fires you know but they're they're uh that's an accepted practice but when you've got all these chemicals and they're mixing and, and they did they uh phosgene gas was created um out of out of some of those and, and that's what happens when, when they combust all these different uh they're highly toxic on their own. They're combining and um, spreading and, and to, to allow that just to combust just seems crazy to me. And I just don't know. And then the other thing, I, I don't know if they, hopefully they were able to do that. This was your, your, uh, your water um, supply on that um, fire. You know, you need to be diking <laughs> the water sources around around that incident for for uh you know any any place that run off from uh your firefighting um activities um is going to affect groundwater and uh it, it just it the whole thing made very little sense to me you know and and i and i, I guess people don't realize this either what, what was kind of amazing those trains go through just about every town every day you know they usually send it at three or four in the morning. You know, so there's nobody around if it derails, but every community um, in the United States, I mean, those, those same materials are traveling through your town. And, and I, from, you know, what I'm hearing, the, the maintenance is, is, uh, you know, the infrastructure, they, nor, nor folk in Southern, they're all, all these big uh, companies, um, are concerned with their profits. They really, I don't think they're too concerned with uh, keeping the equipment up. But yeah, you're you're dealing with, uh, you know, bombs uh, or or something that potentially could become a bomb or just something that if it leaks out, um, you know, can can take out an awful lot of people. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. So for those, <clears throat> excuse me, for those who don't know, phosgene gas was a um, chemical. Uh, asphyxiation agent that they used in World War One was uh, I, I want to say it was uh, designed by a German gentleman. They waited for the wind to be right, and then they just opened up the canisters and let it flow across. Mustard the gas, yeah, yeah. One. My grandfather was in uh, the British Army and was exposed to that when he he lied and said he was eighteen. He enlisted when he was sixteen and went. went uh, went to the Dardanelles in um, Turkey. And oh my God, if you ever read about the Dardanelles, he, he got blown off a, a troop ship by a torpedo and uh, shot twice. And uh, then he came home and he spent the next 50 years down a coal mine in Scotland. <laughs> They don't make them like that anymore. I don't think I would have been able to do that. But no, well, you know, I don't want to say people are soft, but they've definitely gotten acclimated to longer lifespans, you know. And I think people, you know, so when when my dad was coming up, it was real common to like for people on the B block on the block to be missing fingers from just work accidents and things. You know, the, the safety just wasn't there. OSHA was a big thing. And now OSHA is doing things like trying to mandate that people get, uh, you know, that. So, um, yeah, you know, not cool. 
that's a that's yeah a whole other thing priorities and 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 epa and and fda and everything else they're they're just band-aids for just for looks because they're they're basically controlled and owned by the companies that they are supposed to be regulating <laughs> so it's really not ideal and those i really feel for those people in east palestine i mean and they're relying on the epa and uh the epa just doesn't have a clue and and they're they're they said they're going to make them whole there's no way they're going to be able to make those people whole and um i don't even think they're talking about you know some sort of uh prevention of, of uh, incidents like this in the future and the only way you can prevent them is is to um you know make sure that all the railroad track is <laughs> in tip-top condition and all all the hardware for for the cars that's that's the only way i mean if you're going to transport that stuff and apparently we need to do it um that's that's your only uh safety factor is to uh make sure your equipment is and and they might and and we, that was a, a a battle that we fought a lot um is just staffing and um getting support for proper emergency response you know and and there there's uh the rural communities in the united states um just don't have the manpower or the resources necessary to handle a lot of these incidents. And, and if you don't, when you pull up there, you, you're going to have a problem. You know, I'm not, again, I'm not really familiar with, with the, the responding fire departments and I'm, I, I need to uh, put some more research into it, but I, I can, you know, if it's a rural part of the United States, um, what they're pulling up with, even, you know, on a, two, three, or four alarm, you know, incident, five alarm incident, uh, you, you're probably going to be understaffed and not have everything you need to, to um, mitigate the, the incident right away, you know, so sure. that's, that's, a, that's a story for another day. <laughs> well, it makes sense, right? Like a, you know, a rural community isn't going to, well, the, the staff is going to be probably 95% volunteer from the gate, right? Mm-hmm. And then right. a, a matter of like PPE and, and counter agents for who knows what kind of hazmat, you know, so. Yeah, they, and just manpower. I mean, if, if they're going, you know, in my mind, and we, we've thought about this a lot of times um, and, and really never got any support from industry. Um, if, if you're going to be transporting this type of material through residential areas, they need to be footing the bill for for a county hazmat team that, that's that's paid by them. That uh, you know, because these, these small counties, their fire departments can't, and, and the volunteer fire departments can't support anything like that. But that that and that let's just take Norfolk and Southern. <laughs> they they could do that if they wanted to on on um, a, a pretty large basis, or or at least much more than. Than they're doing now, which is nothing, you know. They 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 should foot the bill. They're they're the ones that are transporting, you know, this death, you know, through through our uh, our neighborhoods and our, our towns. But don't think we'll ever see that happen. Uh, no, no. Most I'm sure that they spend more money on uh, making sure that the legislation goes their way than they do on you know protection and and standards of a uh, transportation equipment. Uh, all but about, that's just all about profit. Yeah, I'm I'm on the outside looking in, and and I'm yeah. I, I'm admittedly a little bit on the uh, a based side against uh, some of these larger companies that seem to not be taking care of their stuff. Uh, talking about rail workers that are overworked and staffing issues there and safety issues, and guys, you know, saying, "Well, you you know, you can file about this, uh, you know, equipment being done, but." You might have to take a couple weeks off or, you know, the, the dog whistles in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure uh, anybody that's bringing these glaring uh, safety issues to <laughs> their management's attention probably booted right out of there. You know, it, even with the whistleblower protection, I mean, that, that they're supposed to be, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, their safety is not their, uh, first priority <laughs> profit is <laughs> that's it's dangerous 
it's dangerous but i'll get i'll get all the info go ahead i'm sorry no sorry the uh you know the the whole watershed system and how that's feeding into the ohio and then feeding into southern states is is pretty terrible as far as i can see and i i don't know the the, the full extent of it because i haven't stayed with it but i'm sure that there there must be issues probably as far south as tennessee by now from absolutely absolutely and the I mean, the fish kills, I mean, that, what does that tell you? You know, that, that's right off the bat. And all of that is, is going into the aquifer, you know, the watershed. And uh, it, when it rains, it, uh, you know, path of least resistance. So yeah, the, I'm sure the contamination will spread out uh, well beyond that area to God knows where. And, and, I don't see the EPA doing any any comprehensive <laughs> reporting or follow up that that is that people are going to know that they just you know they'll they'll do their their investigation and you know I can't imagine it going much wider than you know the general area of, of the accident or you know maybe fifty mile radius or something like that maybe right but that that'll be that'll be interesting to see too what kind of uh, documentation and testing that they're doing for the for the water and, and the soil and you know that's an agricultural area there's you know have, have these animals already been contaminated you know um, yeah the, the livestock issues uh above ground not fish were, were pretty rapid you know the onset of some of the phosgene and stuff there were uh, somebody who had a bunch of foxes i presumably prefer um and he had a bunch of die off there and people's pets and whatnot um, I'm curious if, if you have, a, an educated guess on how long it would take, uh, like a large body of water, like the Ohio river to start to deposit some of its new contaminants into people's, uh, aquifers or underground water basins. That would be really hard to say, um, depending, you know, it, some of the factors would be rainfall, um, you know, snow, snowfall. What what type of uh, you know precipitation the area has gotten and will get? But yeah, that that's really that's really hard to say. Um, that that would there's so many variables um, in that. But but the the immediate area, you know, like the the hot and the warm zones and uh, of that incident. Um, that would probably be fairly quick, I would imagine. You know, just the, in the local waterways, and you know, the of course the soil and any uh, any animals that were contaminated by that. That would be pretty pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Humans are animals too, so I'm sure we'll see some mm -hmm. uh, unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate results of this thing within the next couple of years. My my heart goes out to the people of East Palestine, man, and the surrounding states too because it's it's not just one person's problem at this point it's it's everybody no 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 the, the system is broke i don't know if you heard about this but it's it's kind of a side issue but the, they just uh they just released there's there's a nuclear plant that um had a leak of i think it was like fourteen thousand gallons of tritium contaminated water in minnesota and they just decided not to tell anybody and, oh, and now now the story is, and, and you know, most of the, they have containment at, at most of those facilities, but um, it's it's coming out. I think a month af after the incident, and and why on earth you just wouldn't? I I, I think that's some kind of law that they need to, isn't it? You know that that uh, you know the local uh, population should be informed when there when there's a spill or a leak at a, at a nuclear plant. But I would think, right um apparently not in minnesota right now so tritium is um tritium is a radioactive isotope of uh helium helium three right so um it's it's what they use in a lot of night sites and firearms it's a oftentimes a gas in that situation and it reacts with a, a phosphorus lining on the inside of these little glass tubes and it causes it yeah to it's it's a byproduct of of 
plutonium, I believe, which is, you know, pretty, pretty nasty. I'm sure it's got an outrageous half-life and it's not something that you want going into your, your water system. And, you know, and they say they have, they have containment, you know, maybe they do, maybe is the containment uh, adequate, you know, how's that infrastructure, you know, are, are these containment ponds, you know, being, um, do they have the correct maintenance? You know, are they leaking? You know, do we, <laughs> do we even know? You know, the, how are they sealed? Right? I'm just gonna just they're, they they're supposed to be, right? <laughs> yeah, but so... everything you know, if, if the plant was made 30 years ago, do, do they follow up on stuff like that? You know, I, I don't know. This conversation really so... does lead me to to kind of question how often underreporting of situation you know goes on. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's it's probably the norm. And I think it's gotten worse, you know, from at least over my time in the fire service. We, we I, I think they were much more um, prompt and transparent in, in dealing with, you know, hazardous materials incidents. You know, that was, uh, I think that that's changed a lot of it. And just an example like that. And then East Palestine, I mean, God. It, it's just, you know, it just seems like it's getting worse, not better. Yeah. The, 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 so I, I recall our infrastructure has been a, a longstanding issue. I remember I was living in Delaware at the time when, uh, maybe it was Obama on his second term was supposed to come through and they, uh, they had to shut down. What was it? Uh, was, was it a bridge on 95 that ran through Wilmington because the, the supports had shifted and uh, that he was supposed to come through and inspect that and look at things, but they, they had to side, you know, side blind them and put them on to something else for uh, a different photo op. Um, so it's longstanding. Absolutely. Yeah. And as far as I know, I believe Trump passed an infrastructure bill and Biden has passed one or two you know, trillions of dollars, and I—I I don't know. I—I I haven't seen any projects going on around where I live. I mean, where—where where is that money going? You know, I'm a—I'm not really one party or the other so much these days, but I—I mm -hmm. I do find it interesting that I heard a, a factoid, and I haven't uh, verified it yet, but I'm going to drop it anyhow. That the amount of money Trump had spent on what he did build, as far as the wall, still doesn't cost as much as the. Um, the Obamacare website annually. So, <laughs> and I, I, I am apolitical. I mean, I, I just, uh, there, there's no difference. Whoever, whoever's in there. I mean, they, it's, it's all, um, I, I think you can, and we recently did, we, we did a, a march on Tallahassee for, uh, medical freedom in, in Florida. And, uh, you can actually talk to the legislators and it looks like that's going to get passed, you know, but, uh, and, and state is still, uh, you can influence your, your state, um, uh, lawmakers and, and local, but federal, <laughs> it's just, it's a big waste of time. You know, I just don't, I don't see that, that there's any way to change that. And I, I really, I don't have any solutions for that, but yeah, they're um, pretty much apolitical. I don't, there, there's, there, we do have some good people in politics, but I, I think the, the majority of them um, are bought and paid for. Best government money can buy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Who, who are you beholden to, you know, who's your biggest uh, contributors and, and follow the money and it'll, it'll lead you to answers you don't want to find all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is, but uh, they're really uh, not doing a very good job. But um, I feel bad for the guys that are still in the fire service that, uh, you know, they're having to do more with less and less. And just every, everything that's coming down the pike is just so awful. <laughs> that, and, and they're still, and, and, I mean, not, Nobody in the fire service does that job, 
um, for the money. You know, they do it because they love it, but uh, it's getting harder and harder on, on the people because I keep in touch with a lot of people that are still working and it's, uh, they're just making, the government is making their job harder and harder. It shouldn't be the case. <laughs> do more with less, right? Exactly. And it, it was, it was that to a certain extent when, when I was there, you know, but it just seems like it's just getting progressively worse and, and, and the threats are getting worse and the, the, you know, pandemics and hurricanes. And yes, as we, I, I talked to DeSantis when I was in there, I said, well, you know, who, who do you think are going to respond to these category five hurricanes if you don't, you know, the, the fire service has been in Florida and probably nationwide has been decimated by uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. people fired and and uh, people quitting and, and uh, you know, so hope, hopefully there, there's a bill in the works that, that's supposed supposed to remedy all that. And we actually read it. And we met the sponsors. So and I was I was actually shocked, you know, that. Uh, they were, they were so responsive because um, that just doesn't seem to be the norm mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in 2023 in, in America. No, no. I mean, so we've we've certainly been through a few years of, of absolute madness and um, and part of it. So I remember um, I, I had my tinfoil hat on probably in 17 or 18 and uh, I was looking at the some of the uh, suggestions that people were putting out and one of them was uh utilizing mass migration right and then we started having all these weird fires in like california you know and you'd mentioned before mm -hmm. and people were moving to you know florida people are moving to texas you know and um, something that uh not related at all but uh, people up in maine say you know the people from philadelphia who go up there to vacation and everything or, or move up there to live you know it's it's great that they're coming up but they're bringing philadelphia with them they bring the philadelphia attitude and all that and so <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know it is what it is so you know w when people are doing these mass migrations because of either like no work or you know everything's catching on fire and they're trying to flee for their lives like they mm -hmm. tend to bring some of those personality traits and the way they vote and the way they think and the way they behave with them. And um, it's not always, I don't think it always meshes well, but. Uh, no. It's a good segue into talking about the fires though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So John shared some pictures with me. I'm going to bring them up here for you guys to look who are looking at YouTube here. And. Uh, so. In these pictures, whoop, make sure you always use this app. That's fine. Oh, this taking too long. That that's not even it. All right, we're gonna just go back to whatever where he sent them to me. I'll share from there. <laughs> so, so these pictures, I think, I think they're still there. Yeah. Oh yeah. These guys, um, so what's interesting with these pictures that John shared with me is the fire in the buildings doesn't always seem to carry over into the surrounding environment. For example, um, these trees here surrounding this incinerated building. So, I mean, you can see mm -hmm. over here, there's, you know, brick, there's some steel I-beams over here. Uh, but, you know, the parking lot is not uh, blistered. It's not cracked up or anything over here. Uh, it looks like an archway came down, but like the trees are fine. You know, some of them have some burning, but you would think that when you're <laughs> burning down entire buildings like this, that some of the, the heat would transfer over and burn the surrounding environment also. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um just eight from anything that I've known. And yeah, and in a, in a wildfire, you have, um, there's a lot of um, forces at play and as basic fire science, your, your heat's gonna 
transfer through conduction, which is like going through something. If, if you put a blowtorch on a, on a piece of metal, it will conduct that heat through the other side and it, it can set con combustibles on fire, but that takes a very, very high temperature, you know, to do that. Um, um, convection is, is more, um, the, the heat gets displaced or is moved by water or air, uh, any, anything that's, uh, you know, the heat rises and anything cooler will, will push that. So that's, that's one other way of, um, transferring heat and then radiation and, and most brush fires, the type of heat that you're dealing with is radiated heat and um to see what you're looking at there <laughs> you know the green trees the amount of heat that i would i would say that was radiated to set all those structures on fire and in building our building materials now are are pretty flame resistant fire resistant i mean uh it, I just can't imagine the amount of heat it would take to conduct a brush fire um, that was burning <laughs> somewhere in that area. And I don't see a whole lot of evidence of that either. I, I, there is some burn, you know, appears behind that. But, but for those trees to still be green there and to have um, a temperature that's adequate to ignite you know, all those houses just doesn't seem to make any sense in, in the fire science that I learned. It just doesn't, doesn't seem possible. So like, I, no, being that I don't have that education in fire science here, but I do know a little bit of like World War II history. So I know that when we firebombed Tokyo, you have really large swaths of land that were absolutely ablaze. The updraft from the air and the heat was creating vacuums and fire tornadoes, right? Um, yes but i mean all that draw and, you would think would move a lot of the heat around either one way or the other it's, you know yeah and and there were fire tornadoes in, in those fires in california Th those were created because it was uh there was a tremendous amount of fuel you know involved but just looking at these pictures you know it just doesn't doesn't seem to make sense um and and that that tree that that was a good one that was on CNN the, the tree burning from the inside. That's pretty. That's wild. something I've never seen. <laughs> I've I've seen a I've seen an old hollowed out tree catch fire before, but I mean that's it looks like it has a lot of meat in it, as it were. You know what I mean? There's a lot of good wood to, yeah. to have a bed of coals that's standing, and then the outside bark is relatively okay. You know. Guys, yeah, you know, and I suppose a, a lightning strike could do something like that. But again, I've seen a lot of trees hit by lightning, and I've, I've never seen, um, you know, something like that. It looked very odd. Stop. And I, and the thing is, and there's a there's a pretty good documentary on on YouTube about that campfire. Uh, it's called the campfire, not not a campfire. <laughs> In California, yeah. There, there we go aluminum melting and you've got power lines that are they're intact and look at all those grapes they're fine yeah i mean that just doesn't make any sense to me so i'm i'm willing to go down the wild speculation rabbit hole um mm -hmm. there is a movie in the 80s called real genius and it had val kilmer in it and the premise of the movie was that they were using um, Ivy League students essentially to develop aerial laser weapons for incineration from high altitude. And um, it, it, it really does kind of look like something that is directed energy weapons. You know? Yeah. And, and they and they do they do exist. It's pinpoint, you know, it's just pinpoint. It's just around here. You can see that the road's all jacked up and then a couple feet away, the road's fine. So I don't know, folks. I don't yeah, my answers, but more questions. Yeah, there, there's nothing close enough to that car that would melt aluminum. <laughs> if, if, 
that was raging, you know. It's another, yeah. Strange stuff. So the directed energy stuff is, is absolutely for real, but I don't know if they're using microwaves or uh, you know, laser, which is, you know, really tight light. I'm, I'm not well-versed enough in that, but I would suspect that microwave would make sense because I know that they use it in area deterrence technology for uh, the army. You know, they've got, you see a Humpy with a big old satellite dish on the back, on top of it. Chances are that's for area deterrence. They use microwaves mm-hmm. to make people really uncomfortable. The air force had what's what they called the pain ray to mm-hmm. uh, target target <laughs> agitators in these crowds. Boy, that would have been a handy tool to use in the agitators of the January 6th movement, but gosh, it's just shame it wasn't there. Um, but yeah, all, all these, um, you know, like I said, the, 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 you're, you're in a brush fire situation. You're, if, if something like this has happened, it, it's you, unless every one of these houses had wood shaped shingles on the roof, which I doubt because they really kind of don't use those anymore. And I don't think you can get insurance if, if you have them. Um, but flying embers, setting a, a wood roof on fire might do something like that. Um, but that, I mean, just and, and lot after lot, it's it, it just the precision just doesn't make any, any sense to me. And, and for the radiant heat, like that last picture with the, the house with the swimming pool, mm-hmm. what what was burning and radiating at, at, a, at a temperature that, that would turn that, you know, basically into a pile of ash? You know, I really, I mean, it, it, and we, we've got the green trees, you know, that, that are right on, on their circular driveway there, whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, I don't get it. Just don't. Uh, it I wonder if they no ran sense. and duck into this little uh, tunnel over here, culvert. No <laughs> idea. Might be handy to have. See, it's scary because you know this stuff could be flying over us all the time, and we wouldn't have a clue. I'm sure it is. I, I have no doubt. There, there. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of stuff flying around up there and in space that we have no idea yeah. of the capability of it. Sometimes so. ignorance is bliss, but I unfortunately have a curious mind. So here we are, you know? Yeah, 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 me too. A lot of the stuff that I know, I'd rather not know. But... <laughs> yeah, I, you know, but yeah. it, it's scary at first, but eventually you kind of you kind of settle with it. And you're like, well, this is this is the world that we live in, you know, just like you're saying mm-hmm. with, you know, these chemicals and these trains are moving through communities all across the country all the time and at variable hours. And you know, if you want to duck your head in the sand, that's fine. But you know, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe it will. But I'm I'm someone who'd rather know than not. You know. Yeah, and and me too. I just but it, it it's it's burdensome. Some of this knowledge is really it's spiritually rough to to uh, carry around. You know, you're when you're worried about your family and your kids and their grandkids and your grandkids and you know everybody else's. You know, it's just. Uh, hard to believe we're, we're we've gotten to uh, where we're at but well hopefully through it, a lot of open dialogues and honest exchanges we'll be able to walk our way back towards having some semblance of uh civility between uh, us and the elements that manufacture things for groups well i hope so you have to you have to have some hope to, to go on day to day. So, uh, yeah, there, and, and, and there's a lot, the well-meaning and good people far outnumber, um, I think some of the ones that are perpetrating, you know, some of this mayhem on us. So I agree. Strength, strength in numbers. Yeah. You know, I mean, not everybody in the CIA is bad. Not everybody in the FBI is bad. You know, like a lot of people go in with the absolute best intentions. Like when I joined the army, I wasn't thinking like, yeah, let me go be a stormtrooper for Iraq. You know, I was thinking of trying to serve my country. So, you know, absolutely. You know, once you once you learn that your patriotism is sometimes co-opted, then you take a step back and, and be a little bit more analytical about things. And that's that's about all I can hope anybody does. 
Yeah, I got a, I got a nephew just graduated airborne. All right, on. <laughs> Jumping out a perfectly good airplane. Yeah. He, he said, nice. "Well, you re, you ran into burning buildings, so <laughs> the hell's the difference?" Fair's fair. <laughs> yeah, man. John, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, on Twitter uh, at Fireman John six two nine. Everybody's like, "What? What is that handle?" You know, it, that's my email address. That was, um, and it, my number at the fire department was 628. <laughs> and before I got banned on Twitter, it was Fireman John 628. <laughs> so I I got reborn on Twitter. So now it's 629. But that, that was my first email address when we got email at the fire department. And I was like, well, let me do I got I got to have something that I can remember, you know. So I had my ID number that was your 628 and I was a fireman and my name was John so that became my email address and it still is. <laughs> I'm on Yahoo Fireman John 628 at yahoo.com and uh but that that was that was my first email address and that that's what that handles about, you know, because people are like, "Well, what is all that? You know, it's just a way that I could remember email addresses when the, when they first uh, how how old I am. <laughs> so we it's, had to have one. It's wild that uh, I I find myself starting to be surprised at how younger people don't understand some of the technology that we came up with, like days before email. You know, when <laughs> when in order to check your email, you went through dial up, and that's just the way it was. It's, Mm-hmm. those days are gone but america online well thank, thanks scott thanks for having me on if, if i can ever be any help just holler um i'm on twitter raising as much hell as i can <laughs> and uh, thank you for the work you're doing because that, that you know communication and education is you know that's what we need to be doing you know? awesome john well thanks again appreciate it Hope everybody has enjoyed this conversation. I know I have. I know your time's valuable, but so thanks for spending it with us. Have a great night.